0: You're listening to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. Little
1: by little, I was getting the sense of my time isn't my time. Just kept doing this pull to the outdoors and wanting to do something in the outdoor space.
0: Welcome back to another Two Bucks podcast. I'm your host Brian Krebs, and today I have Taylor Raymond from Davis Tent, and you know I'm really excited because you know a lot of the guests we have on the podcast are newer entrepreneurs, maybe you know five years, two years. We've had a couple people talk about launching in the middle, you know, in the middle of their launch, but but Davis Tent has been around a while, and so I'm really excited to have Taylor on the call, and we're going to talk about. Some of the things that maybe are more relevant to brands that want stay, to um, stay in the game for a while. So how are you doing today, Taylor?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. Just uh, another lovely day in, in downtown Denver.
0: Yeah. Are you guys having a very abnormal winter as well in Colorado? I'm from Minnesota, and we are having the strangest winter I've seen in a long time. We have zero snow. We've had basically zero snow all winter long. It looks like we're not going to get any. In like the extended forecast, we barely have any ice. I mean, it's just the it's like extended spring. Like we skipped winter and went from fall to spring.
1: Wow. uh You know, I'll be honest. I don't spend a lot of time uh up in the mountains during this time. Yeah. Uh, just because I'm pretty busy in the fall. uh So I've got a a wife and and two kids. So kind of after hunting season, you know, kind of the holidays leading up to shed season i'm i'm putting in my time uh at home if that makes sense yeah that's fair that is very fair. it is 60 degrees today which is weird uh but it what we came off of like negative 13 degree temps at our last show which was the beginning of january Mm. so it's just kind of all over it is what it is you know
0: yeah, no, it is kind of a strange year. That's for sure. Um, but for anyone that likes winter camping, I mean, here in Minnesota, it's probably been a great year for, for winter winter activities if you don't need snow. You know, it's been warm. I joke, I, we bought a new farmstead and I bought a brand new, or not a brand new, new to me snowblower for my tractor. And obviously when you go from like a little push mower that you can maybe find for a hundred bucks on Facebook Marketplace to like a seven foot PTO snowblower. The, the price tag went way up. And so I'm like, oh, we need it, though, because it's Minnesota. The win- I mean, if we don't get it, we have a 500-foot driveway now. My wife works 45 minutes away. I work from home. But so I we, we found one, bought it, and then we haven't had any snow at all. So I'm like, I just invested in the world's easiest winters, really, all that happened. But um,
1: well, once it snows, you'll be like, "Ah, oh, it was worth it.
0: Yeah, next year, I'm sure. Next year, I'm sure so. But, yeah, today we want to talk a little bit about – not specifically just the tent making business, but you know, what goes into keeping a business around for a while? Cause if I am looking, it looks like Davis tent started in the fifties. Is that
1: accurate? Yeah. Yeah. 1955 is when it started out of a basement, uh, basically in, in Lakewood.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. I mean, that's crazy to think that it's going to be almost 70 years
1: yeah yeah no it's we've been in business for a a real long time and we have employees that started off as like a babysitter to now the third generation tent maker chris davis Uh, we, we literally have pictures of him setting up a tent in the backyard you know with chris davis being like eight months old and this employee that we have his name's chewy he puts all the double seams on all of our tents you know, he's still working for us. So wow. this is, you know, there's some tight, tight people here that have known each other for a, a very, very long time.
0: And so just for a quick overview, Davis Tent. So wall tents, right? You're a wall tent supplier manufacturer. Um, so the white canvas style tents that, you know, you, you see a Field & Stream article about, you know, elk hunting or an outfitter, you know, the big mountain wall tents. Like that's what we're talking about, right?
1: That that is correct.
0: Yeah, and so if you spent any amount of time camping in like on hunts and and extended like base camp, I've done. We've got a few different brands of wall tents that we've used. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think any of them are Davis tents. But just like getting into a wall tent compared to like your normal like, hey, let's go camping with the kids for a weekend tent that you find at like a box store. Right, like a dome tent, like a tent pole tent, yep, game changer, uh, right off the bat. Like it feels like you actually have enough room to stand up for once, which you, obviously you do. I mean, they're they're huge tents, but you're not like crawling into them and crawling around on your hands and knees for a week. Yeah, El- freezing. Yeah, freezing. And so, yeah, because a lot of wall tents, the a big portion, a big a big benefit to them is they have stove capabilities, right? Whether it's a stove jack or a pipe, some type of, um duck work that you bring heat from an external stove in or an internal stove in a stove jack right
1: correct Yep. yeah
0: have you guys one i'm curious this is not really tent related i'm seeing a big uptick in people talking about diesel heaters for te- camping are you guys seeing some of that
1: i mean we've we've tested some different models of, of stoves uh throughout the uh throughout the years here, especially back in 2020, there was a, two major fires that went through Colorado. Okay, There was a fire ban. And so I actually tested all the propane heaters on the market uh, out in the field while hunting, uh, which I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. I do that kind of in the off season in my backyard. Yeah. Uh, so I made a, a big mistake one night when I was out in the woods and I had my wife and two kids and the stove stopped working. Ooh. And I was fine. I was in my negative 33 degree sleeping bag and was comfortable uh, as all can be. But they had 30 degree bags and weren't happy. <laughs> no, I bet not. <laughs> so I've uh, moved my my testing elsewhere. Uh, but as far as diesel heaters, uh, that is not something that we have tested. Okay. Uh, we have tested pellet uh, stoves that basically have like a hopper. Yeah. Uh, you know, similar to like a, a Traeger. Uh, grill uh with you know with pellets and we fe- we found that basically the technology is is there uh we just haven't done it yet but basically need to run some type of battery system from the fire that you're getting right you're generating that heat yeah we need to somehow hook that up to a battery which then has an auger inside where the pellets go right because that is what was happening is basically the fire would feed up into basically the auger and then there's no oxygen and basically the tube and the fire would just dissipate so like every night at two or three in the morning it would would stop working unfortunately
0: okay because i've thought about building like a rocket stove with an with a hopper and then just kind of letting gravity like you would kind of like burn up the pellets and then all of a sudden like a whole bunch would like fall like avalanche and then see if that would I was like I don't know it might work it might not I don't know
1: um yeah. but yeah I th- three different versions yeah. of something similar and we just they just wouldn't work they basically all go out yeah. in the middle of the night uh so so you're you talking
0: know. about like a thermoelectric generator like they have them for wood stoves right like it's a big thing with like a base plate and when it gets hot enough it starts to conduct, and then a lot of times they also have a fan on them.
1: Interesting. I haven't done any research past it. Oh, uh, no. there's a company that's
0: selling them. They're bit, they're big and heavy. Okay. Like it's something you would probably need to like. Obviously, you're not going to be horseback riding. Maybe yeah. that part of it in. Maybe you could. I mean, I know horses can carry a lot of weight. It's just awkward. But yeah, it's like a two handles on top and like a big plate on the bottom kind of looks like a pyramid and you set it like right on your stove and when it gets hot enough it starts to conduct electricity and you i don't know what the power is but you don't need a lot of power to run an auger especially if you designed it for this you'd probably design like a low power auger that's got like a super high gear ratio
1: yeah you know what i mean what's the name of that company
0: i have no idea but if you they make them (laughs) a lot for indoor um like pellet stoves if you just do like you know, wood stove generator, I think they, they sell modules. Because I was looking at the same problem. I've kind of been always DIYing different solutions to heat, and mm-hmm. nothing replaces a wood fire. Like right. propane, we've had, you know, your tent starts to rain after four or five days of running a propane heater, especially if you don't have real dry atmosphere. So, like, we were doing it in the middle of a snowstorm in Montana, like low-temperature it's yep. so like there's snow on top of the tent that's melting that's seeping through the propane's not drying anything out the water the air's just saturated when you start a wood fire like
1: everything gets dry <laughs> yeah you're you're not wrong i mean sometimes i'll use propane as more of like a supplement yeah like maybe in the morning since i'm not going to hang out in my tent very long i'm to right. go out and you know go hunting uh but yeah nothing replaces wood heat it's just it's just comforting. It's warm, uh, you know, can dry gear. That's yeah. me- immediately, uh, it was opening day of second season this year. My buddy ended up shooting a, a cow elk, and then we packed it out in a snowstorm. Mm. We immediately got back to the tent, started that wood stove, took, you know, our clothes off. That was, you know, all all wet and then hung it up next to the stove. And in an hour, they were dry. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, that is pretty cool. I wonder. I wonder if you could get so like, there's obviously a draft in the stovepipe, right? I mean, you have up and yeah. you have to be careful, but I wonder if you could do a like a mechanical um, auger with like a a really really high gear reduction, but basically have like an impeller in the stovepipe. So when the hot air's rising. That thing's spinning and like just slowly cranking an auger, you know, like a hundred to one gear ratio or something. So it's really low yeah. resistance that the air can still get through, but kind of like a like a dam or like a you know, like when water blows past the uh, you know the water wheel and it spins the water wheel and you create electricity, like. You can maybe – I wonder if you could do that and find a way to just – because that's the only problem with wood is, like, you have to reload it. Like, it doesn't load itself. That's why propane yeah. is awesome. Like, you hook up a 45-pound propane tank or 40-pound propane tank. I don't know if they have 45s. You're good for, like, two, three days. You don't have to worry about it. Yep. And that's why I think a lot of people are like, oh, pellets would be the solution. You could dump a 50-pound bag of wood pellets in the hopper and be good for the week. But, yeah, lots of lots of things to figure out when you start getting cold-weather camping out.
1: Yeah, well, obviously got to have some type of heat source. Yeah. That's what makes the, you know, the biggest difference as far as being comfortable.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so your tents, canvas is a little bit of a protectant, right? But you have to like, you have to treat them to be waterproof, correct?
1: Yeah. So most canvas tents on the market are all treated canvas. Like waxed canvas yeah uh everybody has their like all the different manufacturers uh for the most part have their own feeling or own design yeah. on that so like for us we send ours to butler georgia uh, and they get a sun forger water mildew or a sun forger water mildew and fire treatment mm. and that's what we get and that's what we make our tents out of okay so and it's a lifetime treatment so you don't have to reapply
0: this episode is brought to you by steelhead outdoors from the moment i first saw a steelhead outdoor safe i knew i was going to order one the ability to customize the color the configuration and most importantly the ability to move and assemble my safe panel by panel makes steelhead outdoors the clear winner when it comes to gun safes and if you haven't ordered a steelhead outdoor gun safe yet you can still benefit from their innovation and creativity because the guys over at Steelhead have designed some awesome accessories. Their case keeper allows you to hang all of your hunting caps and gun cases off the side of your safe, and it keeps your hunting room looking clean and organized. Or my favorite is the bow keeper that lets me hang my bow off the side of my safe so me and my wife can walk into our safe room hang up our bows after shooting in the backyard, and not have to worry about the hassle of putting our bows back in the case every time. Both the keeper and Casekeeper are magnetic and work with any safe, which means you can use them now with your current safe, and when the time comes to order your Steelhead Outdoors gun safe, you'll already have all the accessories you need. Head over to
1: SteelheadOutdoors.com to order your bow keeper and case keeper today I like a dwr coating oh that's on awesome. every year uh there are definitely some tents out there that you have to do that
0: yeah that's a huge plus okay yeah. and then there's obviously like just it's not insulated but it's contained so it helps you know in that sense keep you know as long as you have a plenty sufficient heat source but if you were to i'm guessing if you were to like insulate the canvas
1: Yeah. And that's why we, you know, we use canvas tents, uh, even today. Right. Is because canvas breathes. Yeah. That's why we use it.
0: That's crazy. So what goes into like, I'm guessing the company has changed quite a bit since the, you know, origination back in the fifties to today. Like what are some of the things that, that like maybe you, you, used to do and it worked out versus like how are things done now and like so for one example i would say back in the day everything was word of mouth like there was no internet in 1955 so you were like word of mouth where'd you get this tent oh i got it from davis tent and nowadays we're exact opposite and so like how has that kind of changed running the business throughout the decades
1: yeah so back when the company started uh it was literally in Art Davis's basement. uh, And step one of every day was to go out into the backyard and set up a tent. And then he would take out classified ads in the local newspaper. Basically, you know, Davis tent, wall tent, 500 bucks, 14 by 16. And that's what he would do. Uh, And then eventually he got big enough to have his own shop. And so he moved to Inglewood, Uh, I think sometime in the seventies, uh, and then again, everything word of mouth, newspaper ads, and then his two sons, Roy and Rick Davis started working for him. They ended up taking over in the, in the nineties and the best thing that they could have done. And they did it is they built a website in the nineties. And so then we were able to, you know, that's the internet age. Right. Right. And so we're able to have a website uh you know post ads bugle uh that's rmefs magazine right and we also donate uh tents to like the mule deer foundation rocky mount elk foundation like those local chapters yeah so we were always there uh as far as you know for advertising uh outfitters are a huge part of our business and obviously outfitters talk to each other um uh, so that was that was big um uh, and then the company uh changed hands about six years ago and uh they roy and rick sold uh, davis tent to roy's best friend at the time who owned another business called outdoors geek uh they were our number one customer at that point uh and and then will uh who's the owner of davis tent him and his wife uh karina they're sitting in the offices right over there answering the phones right now while I'm doing this. Uh, but uh, Will uh, was an entrepreneur, right? He started his own business, Outdoors Geek, back in 2009. And he just kind of has a, a different marketing mind. And so we're just doing things differently on our website, uh, you know, calling things out, being very specific. Uh, they brought me on. I've been doing a ton of social media uh videos and podcasts you know things like that that are relative you know nowadays to people in the hunting industry right a lot of people listen to podcasts uh that's what they do when they're working out or or going to work uh and so just getting out into the outdoor community going to events like total archery challenge like our local uh colorado bow hunter association jamboree you know just being present in the, in the current outdoor space that we're seeing now and how consumers, you know, just kind of consume media, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I got to imagine there's a little bit of a challenge with selling such a large ticket item. Um, you know, like these tents are not a, I would say they're typically not a rash decision for someone that's like, walking up and down tack, and they might be making a rash decision to buy, like, a new color-matched, you know, wrist guard for or like, wrist loop for their bow. They're like, oh, man, you know, I've been sick of this one. They have the same color as my strings. You know, you buy a $20 thing and put it on your bow and then go shoot the course, right? Yep. You walk by a, a Davis tent, like, was, people probably aren't going to tack thinking they're going to shoot the course and then leaving away with a wall tent like, it's a huge, it's a huge purchase. It's an investment. It, like you said, it's a lifetime product. And so what are like the challenges of like getting that, that conversion from like start to finish? Does that like, we, we do all these events and we stay present and that's like the top of our funnel, but how do you like get people all the way down to actually, you know, purchasing their own Davis tent?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like with everything, a big purchase, comes into you know doing your own research okay right so people are probably out hunting in the fall they're using a a dome style tent you know they drive by a a wall tent camp and they're like wow you know that looks comfortable so they're gonna (laughs) go right they're gonna go back home during the off season google wall tent and then just kind of see the companies that that come up uh And if you do that, you know, our name is near the top Uh, and people look at reviews. Our Google reviews are fantastic Uh, and people, you know, see that. And then they maybe follow us on social media or they sign up for our emails. You know, they see the events that we're going to or they just purchase it online or call in and talk to a tent expert and then, you know, go that route. Yeah. Uh, So I really think it's more of a. Hey, I would really like a wall tent for hunting uh, and then they just kind of dive down that rabbit hole and most of them end up you know with us.
0: okay, so that's it's definitely get in front of them, get them familiar with what you got, get them thinking about the wall tent or maybe they're already thinking about the wall tent and if in I mean, I suppose that's like, a great first step is if you happen to come by someone that's been thinking about a wall tent for two or three years and they're at tack and then you're at tack and you know, they're like, Man, I've been thinking about like I need one of these, like we're we've been using this whatever, my buddy's got this other system and it's just a disaster, you know. And then you're like, Oh, like check this out. Like, you know, you've obviously been thinking about it, what questions you have and then that I would imagine is a much easier path to getting a customer. But I, I've been noticing, you know, I did a little bit of research, and, and one of the things that I like that I have not seen yet about your website, and maybe this is what you were kind of alluding to with the new owners have a little bit different marketing mind, but you have a tent builder, like, on your website.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a custom tent builder for, you know, someone wants to play around and get an idea. Uh, but, I mean, we, we, make our, we make and manufacture our tents here in Denver. Right. Literally, you know, in this same building that – I'm, you know, doing this podcast in, and we can make just about anything. I mean, right. like two weeks two weeks ago, we had three event tents in here that companies are buying from us and setting up at places like TAC, Western Hunt Fest, Shot Show, Sheep Show, uh, SCI, so they'll literally have their booths be our tent.
0: I was so, thinking about that because I've seen a lot of it. I was like, man, it'd be perfect if you like the entire show. Like if a show is big enough, usually they bring their own tents. But a lot of times they'll have like tents set up, like they'll rent the tents and be like, this entire thing is all Davis tents. Like everybody's booth. Like when you get to the booth and you're like, Sun tents already set up. Usually, yeah, it's all Davis tent. I thought that'd be really cool. But yeah, like you got this builder. And then if like I was just like, oh, I don't know what a Colorado door is. Well, there's a video next to each option of like what that feature is. I'm wondering, I'm very curious, if can you track, like, an IP address and see, like, you know, X percentages of IP addresses that, like, go through and build a tent end up actually buying it compared to, like, random IP addresses that just cruise our site?
1: I actually don't know that answer. I do know that we can track from, like, emails yeah. that we sent out. You know, how many have, you know, visited the website, how many bought, you know, and what. That number was. I know we have that capabilities, but I don't know if we have the capabilities that you're talking about.
0: I feel like if you could, and I get that that's kind of like really next level. I feel like if you could, though, you'd probably be surprised like how many people that are filling out and like building a tent and like you know thinking about every option, like actually go through and follow through and buy. Because I've heard like like on I'm a big Ford fan, and I'm probably lost a third of my audience (laughs) after that, but. You know, Ford, and I think all of the truck manufacturers have them, but I I don't use the other ones. But they have this truck builder where you can go online, you can pick all your colors, you know, six-foot box, eight-foot box, all these things. And I've heard people say that when, you, when they, like, look at the data, like, there's an alarming increase of people that will eventually purchase a truck, even if it's not the truck they built, after they build a truck. Interesting. And I thought, I mean- like, that's one of the things I really liked and I wanted to talk to you about like giving those people the opportunity to kind of get a little engagement and, you know, not really a commitment, but you got a little piece of them, right? If they're going to take the time to build it, like you, you kind of got like, I wouldn't say you got the hook set yet, but you're starting to get a bite. And, and that's something that I haven't seen. And we've, I've had a few people on the podcast that have like similar high ticket items, um, in the past I don't know like what the highest has been you guys might be in the running because I mean obviously you get a 16 by 25 tent I mean you're buying a small house (laughs) so but yeah and I that's one thing that I thought was really fun like really cool to do getting some you know engagement with your with your potential customers and getting them to kind of buy in, in in a way and that's just like for the canvas wall tents and you get all kinds of information on your website from glamping hunting packages. The clamping tents are insane. I don't know who's setting those up. Those have to be like (laughs) semi-permanent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, the clamping side of things, which it's kind of prime clamping order season now, you know, end of January, their season is, you know, kind of spring through, through summer, but you know, they're either large companies or individuals that have property, they build a deck, they instead of building a cabin because it's much cheaper, they buy a, a wall tent, uh, a glamping specific one, and then set it on that deck and then just leave it there like all spring up into you know the early fall. And they'll go on the weekends and stay there. Uh, or large companies like right now, we have 14 tents in the shop that are going that are super custom that are going to San Diego Zoo, and they literally rent those out. And you can stay like in the San Diego Zoo in those tents overnight.
0: So, oh, interesting. Can you stay yeah. in like the
1: lion enclosure like you're on an African <laughs> safari? That would be fun. I, I don't <laughs> think it. so. I don't yeah. think sleeping next to lions would, would be a, a smart business move. No. Uh, it's going to be hard to have repeat customers after that.
0: I, I get it and because I've also kind of interested in the entire real estate short-term rental um, genres and I've, I've seen people like have like glamping postings where it's like you know forty dollars a night to come camp and I'm like who's and I, to me this is just the way I think. I'm like who's paying forty dollars a night to sleep in a tent
1: People who don't know how to camp
0: and I, that's what i'm like you can come set up my tent for free and sleep in it if you want like i'm sick of setting up my tent um but yeah no it's a huge thing and and that's what exactly what i was thinking about is the airbnb i was curious if the like because of the pictures some of them are phenomenal like timber framed um yeah. tents i'm like so you're not supplying like the timber frame and the lodge poles and everything like that are you We are not, but we
1: are giving them, like, instructions.
0: Dimensions, go cut down a tree this big.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) we we can. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're
0: you're going to need an 8-inch log that's 25 feet long. You know, however you find it, it's up to you. Don't break
1: the law, but here's what you need. (laughs) Well, a lot of them are on private property, right? Oh, sure. So they can kind of do what they want. Yeah, no, that's really cool.
0: Is that something that's been added I would assume like the whole term glamping isn't even that old,
1: but I would assume that's something that's kind of been
0: added in these last few years.
1: Yeah. I would say over the past 10 years, glamping has started to become a a huge part of our business. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's not, you know, a hundred percent by any means, but it's definitely pretty close to 30% of our, our annual revenue is from glamping.
0: Wow and so is the is hunting outfitting still like a large portion or like the
1: the premier portion yeah that's the 70% oh, okay. is is from hunting uh, so but yeah glamping's glamping's huge there's a lot of money in glamping yeah. uh and you know we we spend a lot of time on perfecting like what's the the best tent to go on a platform because that tent is very different than the tents that I use, you know, out in the woods hunting, because they get set up for three to five days and then they get taken back down. Right. And they, they're in storage, uh, where clamping tents are some sometimes up year round. So, right. You know, that tent's going to, you know, needs different features than the one that gets used for one to two weeks out of a year.
0: Yeah. And the, and the demographic that uses them is probably Both demographics are probably tolerant and intolerant of different things, right? Yeah. Like hunters might be like, that doesn't matter at all. I don't care. But this over here really matters. And the glamper. If you're looking forward to another fall of hunting big bucks, but you're tired of freezing your tail off or getting busted by does, head over to maverickhunting.com and check out their Maverick and Booner blinds. Both series are incredibly easy to set up and get out in the woods. I set up two of the six panel blinds in the same week. And whether your favorite spot is on a field edge or way back in the sanctuary, you can have a hard-sided blind in your favorite spot this season. Keep the elements out and you're sent in with a Maverick hunting blind. The best part is Maverick blinds ship out of their factory in just one or two days, which means you still have plenty of time to get a comfortable blind set up before the cold weather arrives and those big bucks are cruising through your spots. Go to maverickhunting.com and use the code WesternRookie. That's one word to save 10%. That's right. Ten percent on your Maverick hunting There's Like, I don't care at all about that. But if you don't do this right, I'm not coming.
1: Yeah. No, so, I mean, phone conversations here, if you're on the phone longer than thirty minutes, most likely it's a glamping customer. Oh, really? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're they have, you know, a lot of questions. Uh, especially if they're starting off for the first time. Uh, but for hunters, for the most part, you know, it's 15, 20 minute conversation and they're, they're good to go. Do you
0: get a lot of, so like with, I think this is probably coming back to like a large ticket item. Do you get a lot of people that are like, I see it. I see the website. I did all the research. I still want to talk to a real human before I push the, push the
1: button. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, Really what kind of actually changed, you know, more online sales is when we started doing more videos. Oh, so people could, you know, be on the internet and actually, you know, see what they're getting. Uh, But we still have a large percentage that still, you know, they'll do the custom tent builder, but then they'll call in and walk through it with somebody who knows what they're talking about and then buy it that way.
0: Right. Like I'm pretty sure I want, you know, the 14 by 20, but do I want the Colorado door or not? I don't know. What, what's that about? And you're like, well, you know, it might be like, well, do you do this or that? Like you see yourself doing this, you know, and you're like, Oh yeah. And then it's like, yeah, then you're really going to want that. And here's why. Or it's like, well, if you don't do this, this or this, like you might not need it, you could always have it, but it might not be the best spend. This other option might be a better fit for what you're going to do with the 10.
1: Yeah, correct. Okay. So, I mean, all the employees here that answer the phone, And there's five of us now. Uh, We've all been working here for at least five years. Yeah. Uh, And we use our tents regularly. So, you know, we we know what we're talking about.
0: When you said so, like using the tents regularly, I kind of went back to when you said back in the the premier, like the early days, you said it was Art Davis. Yeah. And the first task every day was to set up a tent in his backyard. Was that so like when customers came, he had one set up to see? Correct. Okay. I was curious of like, why would he set up a tent? Just to be like, I just want to stay sharp. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that was for, you know, cause he, he would run classified ads in the newspapers.
0: Oh, okay. And then people and were people like, would- what is this? I want to see one.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then he would have it set up in the backyard uh, and then sell them that way.
0: Okay. That makes sense. He must've got really good at setting up and tearing down a tent.
1: You can, I mean, I can do a 14 by 15 and, basically 23 minutes so
0: <laughs> is that with or without lots of rocks in the ground
1: without that's <laughs> a backyard with with grass
0: <laughs> yeah that's the one so i think right now we're running in a lac um which you probably like flinch when i say that but uh um... i'm sorry yeah <laughs> The, the biggest constraint, like, the biggest headache I always face is, like, every time you're in the West, there's rocks everywhere in the ground. It's all rocks, basically. And unless you can, like, camp in, like, a river valley floodplain, like, a spring floodplain, the, you know, so you get, like, a lot of sand and silt and stuff. It's all rocks. And, you keep, like, you, I spend more time trying to pound in stakes for our tent than I do setting up the tent. I mean, ours is obviously a lot different. So the whole thing's different, and it's only a ten by ten. But I can get the tent set up in probably five to ten minutes, and it's you know, depending on the rocks, at least another ten minutes. Sometimes it's been like thirty minutes because you have to like take stuff down and move it, and you know what I mean, like it, bending stakes. Like that's God, it, like the worst part of the entire process.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm the kind of the like gear tester around here, and I'm always playing with with gear whether it's wall tents or you know clothing systems anything but i would say my new favorite stakes basically are ones that uh have a uh basically a a bit on it like a 10 millimeter that fits a 10 millimeter uh you know bolt and then i'll basically plug that in into my impact driver and then just drill down into the ground
0: So you're you're talking about, like, the stakes that you're using now are more like an auger bit, like a big screw, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite stakes. We're we're not manufacturing them right now. Right now, we have two different versions of stakes. We basically have giant nails. That's what comes with the tent. That's what breaks rocks the best, in my opinion. If I'm setting up on rocky ground, I'd rather have those nails. Uh, and then our upgraded stake, we call it the secure stake. It looks like an old army stake, if you're familiar with that, with like the T head on it. Uh, but the, uh, you know, I'm always playing around with stuff. Uh, and so those are my favorite types now because it's the least amount of work. I just have to drill into the ground, but they don't work very well with rock.
0: Oh, because once you hit a rock, it just spins and then it's loose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah rocks are annoying. I mean, I suppose I wonder if you could get like a stake bu- or like a rock buster, like a bigger rod that just like, and then you like, now your hole's done, and then you just drill a stake into it. If you run into, st- yeah, I don't know. There's not a great solution. Sometimes I've even resorted to like, screw the stake. I'm just going to tie it to that tree. You know, that tree's in the right spot, or that, that bush is low enough and it's got like good Groot system that I'll just tie off to that instead because the rock is, you know, and it's like I don't want to bust up half of my stakes to just get them in the ground either. And I we've got the old, like, I think it's basically sheet metal that they bend and then they fasten on the top. I don't know if – it kind of looks like a triangle in a way, yeah, yeah. Or like angle iron, if that would – yeah. So, no, the staking is a huge issue for sure. So, it's kind of fun to hear, like, an expert talk, like, other options.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean – I that's probably is the most annoying part is staking it down. Yeah. You know, having a, a few drill in ones, I think I only have nine right now. Uh, You know, like for the corners and stuff, it just, you know, it's less time. It's, it's less work. So.
0: And then do they have like a bigger flat head on them, like a washer or something? So that like, you're not like drilling mm-hmm. right through the canvas. Okay. Cause I know like yep. our ice fishing huts, like our, the new pop-ups, like hub houses, they have like Otter has this like, stake system where you have like a drill bit attachment and it's like a handle. Like it's like a oval racetrack shape, but you're, they have the specialized bit that you can like put into it and use a drill. But if you had to use it by hand, you could. Um And I was thinking that'd be great. It, it's too short. Like it's not long enough to secure in ground versus ice. And it's obviously a little fish house is a lot different than a, you know, wall tent in the mountains.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm mostly using those drill, drilling stakes for the guy lines i'm not using them down at the base of the tent
0: oh way out yeah way out to the side yeah Yeah. no that that makes a lot of sense i was just curious why he's setting up one every day if that's like yeah people would just literally come to the house every day to look at a tent and then potentially buy one yeah yeah um one of the other things that i wanted to talk to you about because I, you know i have a you know i'm almost on the opposite side of e-commerce i have uh, my own beard oil company so we sell like beard oils beard balms it's a super highly consumable short-term product um, you know and it's a very low ticket item comparatively and so it's like common like I think about customers I'm guessing in a little bit different way it's like I probably don't make money on most first-time orders like, it cost me more to get the customer in the first sale than I'd make on the first sale. But then I'm looking to, like, extend the life of the customer and, and you know, get a second order a month from now and a third order and a fourth order, I you know, and grow that way. How is it, like, I'm guessing, like, maybe outfitters or, like, these rental companies with the glamping might, you know, kind of be repeat customers. Like, they buy 15, they got to buy two more, maybe they expand and buy another 10 more five years from now, but like a guy that's just a hunter and he buys one, like he's good. Like, how does that kind of change? Like you, do you get many repeat customers or do you have ways of like retargeting or accept like what, what goes into that kind of thinking when you sell something that's a lifetime product that we hope you don't ever need another one?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say, about seven years ago, we developed something called a cook shack. Okay. So the thing with wall tents is, you know, there's many different sizes and camp sizes change throughout the years. And so, you know, we do have a lot of customers who have multiple of our tents. So like, you know, if I was a, if I was a customer and only could have uh, three tents, I'd get a 14 by 20 because that's the perfect four-person tent. Uh, And then I'd have a 14 by 10, which is our cook shack version. That's literally designed to butt up neck, right in front of that 14 by 20. And then I could get six to seven guys sleeping in that 14 by 20. And then we could eat and hang out in that 14 by 10. And then the other tent I would have is our new go tent. We developed that about three to four years ago. It's a 10 by 10 space. It's got a three foot sidewall, six, eight peak height. It's the perfect, like run and gun style tent, uh, from us. You know, for me, that's my perfect, uh, you know, shed hunting tent where it gives me just the basics. It's a quick, easy setup, you know, any type of solo hunts, I'm using that tent. Uh, you know, there's just many different sizes. Um, You know, like my brother, he's got a 12 by 15 because he mostly goes, uh, you know, with one other person and that 12 by 15 is the perfect two man tent. So there's just many different, you know, sizes and and people have different needs. You know, I hunt a lot. Uh, and so I need multiple tents for what I'm doing. Yeah. But you know, there could be a, a group of four guys who go third season over the counter and unit X every year. Right. And they're, they're going to invest together in like a grizzly package from us, which is our 16 by 20, you know, it's a fully loaded tent comes with stove floor, you know, kind of bags for everything. Uh, But then eventually maybe one of those guys wants to do some solo hunts. And so he'll, he'll buy like a cook shack or he'll buy a go tent, right. You know, things like that. So just having different offerings and then also staying kind of up to date with our accessories. Okay. you know how to make that wall tent experience more enjoyable uh you know constantly trying to come up with new products you know we we go to a lot of shows Mm -hmm. you know like trade shows and we'll have you know more than half of our conversations will be conversations with past customers and you know the first thing they say is you know what do you have that's new and they'll be like oh these you know these orange hooks and then they'll be like oh that's handy I can put it up right next to this rafter and and hang my clothes from there and they'll be dry. You know, I'll take four of those. So, you know, not only do we sell wall tents, but, you know, accessories as well.
0: Gotcha. And then can any of the, so like, if you get the same width tent, can that kind of be attached to any other of the same width tent?
1: Correct. And they're, they're not, technically attached they're just butted up as close together right look at a website it looks like they're attached but yeah that's as long as you stay in the same width then that kind of flows all together yeah you know we'll see like we'll get pictures of like giant camps where you know guys do like first season every year and they take the entire season off and we'll see like three 16 by 20s butted up next to each other Literally, you know, 16 by 20, 16 by 20, 16 by 20. That's 20, 40, 60 feet of tent, right? Like, we we, we see some uh, some pretty cool things.
0: We were in Montana a while back, and there was a group, and it was a huge group, and they had a big old army surplus, like, barracks tent. Mm -hmm. That thing was monstrous. I'm pretty sure it was, like, 25 by 40 or 50. I mean, it was... Massive. They had, like, recliner chairs, um, TVs. They had everything. I mean, it was, like, the space. Like, they had the cots down each wall, like, head at the wall, toes to the aisle, right? And there was, like, a laughable amount of space in between, like, the two cots. Like, the aisle was still, like, 12 feet wide. It was just insane. But there was, like, 15 people in that camp. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was looking at that tent and I was like and it was everything was heavy. It was like that um I don't know what the material it is, but it's like a like a, almost it feels like a rubber coated canvas. Um and big heavy metal everything. I was just looking at that, and I'm like, that looks like a bear to set up. <laughs> you need yeah, 15 our, people just to set the tent up.
1: Yeah, but growing up our third season camp uh, was like that, where it was just a pain in the butt. It took five people, you know, nowadays with the technology and the, you know, the ounce of canvas that we use, you know, two people setting up a 16 by 25, super doable.
0: So it, it these tents are rafter style tents or like center pole tents? Cause I think ours is a center pole tent.
1: Yes, yours is. So we yeah. offer two different styles of frames. Okay. So we have what's called the traditional poles, which is similar to what you have. Okay. So you have uprights that are supporting one main ridge beam at the peak of your tent. And then you have outside uh, half inch conduit wall poles. Uh, sure. That, those, those support your walls. So that's one style. That's very popular among outfitters. Anybody who's packing in uh, will go with that style. If is it just because stuff, it's less poles? Yeah, it's less. It's less poles, less weight. Okay, and they're not as long. Uh, anybody who has a sewn-in floor has to go with that style tent uh, or that style frame. Uh, and then we also offer what's called our internal frame. So this is going to be heavier, where everything's internal, where it basically looks like an A-frame. You have yeah. wall poles on the inside. That connect to angles that then go up these are your rafters and then connect to an angle there and then there there's ridges uh basically at the peak and at the wall on the sides so that's super popular because think about an open concept you know the same room but then you don't have poles in the middle of your tent or in the middle of your door and so more people choose to go with the internal frame compared to that traditional pole setup. Yeah, and I
0: guess it's got it's got to be a lot better like in the wind and then condi- like it's a, it seems
1: like it would be a sturdier design. You know, to be honest, there's really no difference. Okay. Uh, you know, the we actually see less problems with the traditional poles because it forces people to use their guy lines where we see, you know, customers get uh in trouble is they set up the internal frame, they stake it out at the bottom and then just kind of leave it. And they don't, you know, attach their guy lines because they don't think they need them. But they do because that secures the rest of that tent to that frame. So there's not any wiggling basically yeah. at the corners and the wind. Uh, but usually once they make that mistake once, they they don't make it again. We
0: were shed hunting in New Mexico last year. And where we set up our wall tent, which is a different, I think it was actually might have been a Davis tent. but another group, like, there's, like, multiple groups that kind of all knew each other in the spot. But I didn't know anybody but the guy that brought us. And they showed up late. Like, we were done eating dinner. We were sitting on coolers and chairs kind of BSing for, like, hours by the time they got there. And they, like, threw their wall tent, which is – it's hard to tell. Maybe just because I'm from the outside, you could probably look at any wall tent and tell me who made it just because you're in the game. But I was just like, I don't know. It's a canvas wall tent. They threw that sucker up like lickety-split. They didn't use a single stake. They just put the frame up. It was an A-frame tent. It was a big tent. They just put the canvas over the top, lifted it up, threw their sleeping bags on the ground inside of it, and went to bed. And then they got up and went shed hunting. And we got back to camp, and, the, like, their canvas was flowing, like kind of floating away from the rails. And I'm like, I don't know, man. You guys are <laughs> better yeah. stick stake down your tent. It's going to blow away. So, I hear what you're saying. Sometimes people don't always take the time to do everything you're supposed to.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong.
0: So, but yeah, no, that sounds good. The um, one of the other topics that I kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this conversation we we're going to have is um, the the entire marketing landscape is kind of like it seems like, for lack of a better, it's a blank canvas. Like you can do whatever you want, right? And we talked about you doing a lot of in-person stuff. You always try to get in front of people in person and show them and talk to them and get feedback, answer questions. That's obviously great for anyone that can do that. Um, You talked about the website. Are you doing much, like, targeted advertising or, like, marketing campaigns, like, maybe more of a, like, structured, generic, like, putting money into an ad manager account and saying like, we want to target like these demographics or does it just, is that something that you like you've tried and it's like hard to like for our product, just, it's a weird fit. Like you're either in the tent market or you're not in the tent market.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. We definitely do play around with, with meta ads Okay, is, you know, what owns Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and we'll do targeted, targeted ads, uh, before shows. So like right now, uh, you know, our two biggest, uh, shows that we do, unfortunately are happening at the same time this year, which is the, the Pacific Northwestern sportsman show up in Portland and in Salt Lake city, the Western hunt fest. So what we tough uh, choices. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to both, (laughs) uh, But what we offer our customers when we go to these shows is they have basically like two months before that show, they'll call in, they'll place an order with us. We will throw it in the back of our horse trailer or Penske. We'll literally bring it up to the show. And like in Portland, there's zero sales tax. So they get free shipping and don't have to pay sales tax. So anybody around the Portland area who wants a tent, they literally call in. We make the tent, we throw it in the back, they go to the show, enjoy the show, and then come back to our booth and then we basically give them directions to where our trailer is, give them our, our our phone number, they call us when they're there, we get out of the show and basically, you know, put their their tent, which is in a box in the back of their pickup or their SUV. Yeah. So, we'll do targeted ads in those specific areas, be, you know, for that purpose. got Gotcha. That makes
0: sense. But not maybe as, so from what I'm hearing, maybe not as much just, you know, all year long, we've got different ad campaigns going on, just blasting them out there, hoping to like catch a fish, you know, for lack of a better term.
1: At this point, no. I mean, we definitely do some, some Google stuff. Right. Uh, You know, as far as Google ads with, you know, wall tent and hunting and glamping thrown in there, Uh, but not. Not anything specific other
0: than that right so you like you're trying to really narrow it down to like people that are already in the tent market like they've been googling wall tents they've been looking at you know hunting camps and, and like you know that they're probably thinking about buying a tent we'll advertise to that person but just to do like generic like facebook video ads all year long you like is that where we're just like it doesn't it's a hard thing to find the right fit for it and i that's what i was kind of expecting i was just kind of seeing if it was true that it's just like this is a product where like you said like we said earlier like you're not going to
1: get someone to just impulse buy a wall tent very easily yeah Yeah. no i mean right now we're you know and we're always playing around right we didn't start doing facebook ads until i think two or three years ago where i'm like we're going to this show like can we do a targeted ad in salt lake city it's our biggest show you know, that we, we do every year. And then that year we sold 50 tents at the show. So that was, which was our, you know, biggest number ever in Salt Lake. So, you know, it, it definitely makes sense to, to do some, you know, targeted ads in specific areas that you're going to.
0: Yeah. When, when you did that Salt Lake city, you know, pre show ads, were you saying like, Hey, check it out. We're going to be in Salt Lake city in two months. Come by the show you know come talk to us come check out the tents if you got any like were you trying to like drum up hype and like get people to like do like the pre-search ahead of time so when they get to the show they're like in a mode to buy like i'm gonna go check this out and if i like it i'm gonna buy it
1: yeah i mean once we did that it was kind of crazy there was only two of us there thursday morning me and me and chris davis and uh these uh, two brothers basically came up immediately first thing Thursday morning and they're like we know what we want get out an invoice oh. and they basically both bought grizzly packages which is 16 by 20 and then a cook shack and once I was done with that order he's like switch and then him and his brother like switch places and he's like I want the same thing I'm like okay so they must know, not hunt day, together <laughs> I think they just had a big camp. Oh, uh, yeah. Is what it was.
0: Uh, But you thought that was because they had seen the ads ahead of time and knew what they were doing. Like they came to the show with a plan versus came to the show and be like, oh, Davis Tents, they look kind
1: of cool. I'll have to Google them when I get home. Yeah. No, for sure. It's trying to get that your face out there, you know, before one of those shows, I think Mm. is key because I want to say they have less questions, but, you know, they have time to do. Do their research. I mean, it's it's a you know, it's not super expensive product, but I mean, it's not, you know, you're let's see, you know, you're not buying a new jacket. Right.
0: right? It's it's the level where I think most people could do it if they want to. And given, you know, sufficient time for whatever your situation is, but it's like if anyone's married, it's probably something that everyone's going to have to get the okay, like, hey, I want to buy a tent. Like, okay, cool. Like a $20 Walmart tent. You're like, no, 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 no. Like, and they're like, oh, well, you you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't like, that's me and my wife have a number that each of us can spend money on and we're like, no questions asked just if you want to buy it. But if it's above this number, we need to talk about it first. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that most people for a wall tent, and it's not just a Davis tent, like that's any wall tent out there. Most people are probably going to have to talk about it with their partner before they go ahead and do it. And then you're giving them a chance to do all these things. Like there's a pretty established sales process that like all the salesmen get trained in, you know, in the the process of someone becoming a customer in their own mind. Like they have to like, I forget it. I should know it, but it, you know, you probably know it too. Like it goes through all these processes where it's like, are they willing? Are they able, you know? And then like the conversion process starts to take place and then they eventually buy you're giving them just a the time to do all those things before you get there. So when you get there, you can, you can do like the highest value step, which is close. Yeah. So that's a really interesting way to put it. That's especially for a product like this. Like if I went to a show with beard oil, I'd, you know, I could probably convince a guy with a beard walking down the aisle to buy one. Like, Hey, come sure. on, man. Like try this out. Like feel it, you know? And he's like, Oh man, I'd really do like that. All right. I'll buy one in 12 bucks, you know, yeah, not the end of the world, but like, Hey man, you really need this tent. Oh, yeah, you're right. I do need it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just something that I was, that I'm interested in. Um, And it seems like for you, it's probably your comfort zone because this is what you do. You, you know, like this is your life. For me, I'm an engineer. And so, like, this marketing thing is just not my forte. Like, this is not my comfort zone. And so I, I like to ask people, um, you know, how they've gone about you know, growing organic versus non-organic, all these different topics. And it's, you know, it's a really interesting conversation to have with a product like this that, like, it is something you have to think about. And, like, what does that go into from the behind the scenes, like on the business side? Like, how are we adapting because we know people are going to do this? Like, we know people are going to take their time to think this through before they buy. Even if we like can tell right away, like, that guy's going to buy it. He's He's going to call us back in three weeks and he's going to buy one. You know, but he still needs that time or she.
1: Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's interesting. All of our stuff has been organic. I mean, I've looked into non-organic, but I mean, you just, you could tell when someone has a, you know, a non-organic Instagram or or Facebook page because you'll look and be like, oh, they've got 11,000 followers. And then you go to how many likes they get and you're like two likes Mm. that, that doesn't make sense right so yeah yeah. uh it was kind of crazy i I started our instagram page december 2019 and you know now we're almost have eight thousand followers and everything's been you know organic other than you know i would say maybe a few giveaways i don't know if you want to call that organic or not but
0: i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't be afraid to call that organic i mean when we're talking like inorganic that's like paying someone to pump your product that has never used it or paying for like, I don't know how you do it, but apparently you can just like buy followers.
1: Yeah. You know, I like, don't know how it works, but yeah. there's, I mean, I, I run, you know, two business, uh, social media accounts. And there's a lot of people asking for money that are guaranteeing, Hey, you know, hundred bucks, will give you 10,000 followers. Yeah. But I'm like, never- if you,
0: if, if this was legit, it wouldn't be a hundred dollars. Like that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of value there. Are you doing any type of like partnerships, affiliates, like obviously guides, you know, a lot of times people have like an outfitter discount for guides that, you know, putting in larger orders, but that's a little different. Um, Could be kind of the same, but like, are you working with anybody? It's like, yeah, we know this guy that has a TV show has been using our tents for like 10 years. And so we kind of offered, you know, to work with him more formally because we knew he loved the product and we love what the content he puts out. I mean, it's got to be something where it's like they use it, right? You can't just send someone a tent and be like, hey, pump this tent for us on social because it just doesn't work. It never works. And people will know like, hey, I've watched all your shows. You've never slept in a wall tent before. Now you're telling me this is the biggest thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't give away our first wall tent until I think uh, 2019 maybe. Uh, There's a local guy. Uh, around here, who's got a TV show? His name's Tra- Trayvon Stolfus. Okay, he produces Outback Outdoors. I'd kind of known him before I started working here, and he had posted on social media that he drew his once-in-a-lifetime Colorado bull moose tag. and so I'm like, that might be the perfect hunt, you to know, try it for, out. you know, for a wall tent. Yeah, and so you know, basically went over to my boss and and asked them. Uh, and he said yes um, and we, we gave him that tent. Uh, he you know produced a film on the uh, on the the bull the bull moose. He was successful. it was a cool film. and then after as like a thank you, he did like a history of, of Davis tent you know Davis tents and he came in with a camera crew uh, and shot and now if you go to like our YouTube channel that's like the first thing that pulls up oh really video and it was very well done very professional you know we keep in contact with with trev uh we're actually working with him to uh push a new video out at the new mile high hunt and fish expo okay. beginning in april here um, so that's kind of how it started and then after that it just started like relationships with other companies okay um you know so uh montana knife is a is a perfect example i'm sure anybody who's following anything hunting wise knows who uh montana knife is i'm actually wearing their sweatshirt right now uh and then you know kafaru maven you know just kind of local companies you know around here right just establishing relationships with with other companies you know that's how giveaways works you know and if you have people you know who have a large following like kefaru for example and they you know everybody sees that they use our tents you know that's a good thing you know you're you're tapping into a you know a different market if that makes sense
0: how is there a a, a way that you found to kind of really tie back like the the roi on that or is it mostly just like sometimes gut feeling sometimes you never know like sometimes people mention like oh i saw this tent in the bull moose episode and I loved it, and now they're buying one. you are like, okay, well, that one probably came from, you know, the, the the, partnership with Trev. But is it is there any great way for, like, the Kefara stuff, or is it just, like, you know, we see a little uptick. We kind of have a gut feeling it's working out good. But I feel like that's something that's really hard to gauge unless you have, like, a specific link that's like, hey, click this link. Here's a discount code. Like, use the discount code Trev, and you'll save 10%. Then it's easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we – we haven't done anything like that. We've just kind of continued, you know, establishing those relationships. And it's just uh, in like that. industry
0: Qualitative, and, like, assessment yeah. that we feel like it's working out well.
1: Well, what's great about us is we all answer the phones. So, you know, nobody's not answering the phone. So nobody's not getting a feel for what's whether on. something's working or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically, hey, saw your... Uh, saw your tent on the, you know, latest film that, you know, go hunt did, uh, you know, or kafaru and they'll literally say that, you know, and so, you know, that, you know, Mm. it's, it's working. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, that's good to know because I think that's for entrepreneurs out there that are looking to get started And any, I mean, I would say that's a form of marketing, any form of advertising or marketing. It's like, how do I, how do I know this is a good idea? How do I know it's going to be a good investment, a good spend? a good way to reinvest in the company and get, you know, return on that investment, hopefully. And some of these things you can't really track. So it's, you know, you're like, Shh, do I do it? Do I not do it? How do I know if it's working? Should I continue doing it? And it's, so those are some of the things that are just, I've always tried to ask people what their system is. And hopefully through that, all the listeners can kind of come up with how they want to do it. Maybe they take a piece out of, you know, the Davis tent handbook. Maybe they take a piece from this guest. And
1: Yeah. I think it, you know to me it all comes down to relationships right do you trust you know the you know other people yeah. as well uh so you know that's that's been my key and then you know really we started doing that because i just saw other outdoor companies doing that mm. you know and as a uh you know somebody who hunts a lot right i'm using a lot of different products you know whether it's a rifle a backpack you know clothing game bags. You know, there's a lot that goes into hunting yeah. and everyone's got a lot of, you know, a lot of gear. I mean, I've got two, uh, two rows of, uh, you know, basically pallet tracking in my garage where all my hunting stuff goes, uh, you know, and so there's many different brands there. And then you just kind of, you know, think about each brand and, you know, if they could possibly align with you, you know, some might not be a good fit. Yeah. Right. You just have to, you know have those initial conversations and you know like going to TAC events or you know the western hunt fest or not western hunt fest sorry western hunt expo right, right? those are a great time to try to establish those relationships
0: you when know? you say like we've you know partnered with kafaru or maven or all these companies what does that look like like at a tactical level like because some of these are big companies like Go Hunt's a big company. Like obviously you're not sending everyone at Go Hunt a Davis tent. So like what what when you say like yeah we've partnered with Go Hunt, like what does that kind of look like, you know, behind this like operationally?
1: Yeah. Uh you know, I wouldn't say we partnered with Go Hunt. Their owner bought a tent from us. Oh, okay. Uh, Perfect. Before I even knew who he was. Uh so but they've used the you know they've used that tent on a lot of their films. Right. So it's it's getting out there, right? People are seeing that. Gotcha. Uh so if I were to back up, I would have given them a, a much bigger discount because I just didn't know at the time. So, uh, but you know, basically it's, you know, just word of mouth. It shows, I mean, right. okay. people ask you when you work in the hunting industry, you know, they'll ask you, even if you're a tent company, what, what backpack do you use? You know, what, what rifle do you use? You know, what kind of bullets, uh, Especially people that are getting into hunting. You know, there's a lot of adult onset hunters out there, right? And they're going to one company to buy something and they're just like, Hey, what you know, what kind of rifle do you use? You know, what what's it chambered in? Yeah. And then you just kind of have, you know, these other companies that you've used in the past that work you know, work out great that you're able to, you know, give give people some advice.
0: Okay. So maybe not always meaning like a formal partnership but just brands that we've networked with that we've met we get along with and we just kind of work together towards a common goal like Correct. you know we're friends i'm going to re- i'm going to recommend my friend
1: yeah that that it would be basically what our partnership looks like okay great
0: yeah awesome super super glad that you know asked some of these questions cuz it's you know i've never kind of heard that before and we've talked to a lot of people, I mean, I think this is gonna be episode seventy nine or eighty, so talk to eighty brands, and not a lot of them are at that scale yet, which is part of you know being a third generation company there's you have you have resources, you have scale, you have employees like you're you're a lot larger a lot of people we talked to are like I said in the beginning, are a lot newer, maybe you know five, ten, two years old, and so it's hard to you know you know, work together with Maven or work together with Kafaru when you just started your own business. And so it's just a topic I hasn't come up yet. And it's super cool to hear kind of your your insights behind some of these things.
1: Yeah. And I, like I said, I just saw other companies doing that. Yeah. You know, kind of repping each other, being friends. And so I was like, well, why don't we do that? You know, like there's no reason we can't. So, you know, just started having relationships and you know, it really came from using those other companies gear. So I had something to, you know, talk about, you know, yeah. I, I put some stuff through the the ringers. I mean, my first conversation with Kafaro was like, Hey, I almost broke your backpack because I shot this bull and it was so big. Uh, and I didn't have the right backpack. I had basically got one from my, from my dad. And so the next year I upgraded and I haven't had that, you know, issue again. Yeah. And so just having those conversations and then typically they'll be like, yeah we've stayed in you know your wall tents. they're they're pretty cool you know next thing you know you're on kofaru cast which is uh you know it's a pretty big hunting podcast you know and then yeah they're using our tents you know we're using their backpacks you know just kind of scratch each other's backs you know awesome
0: yeah that's super cool well man i thank you for being here taylor it's already over an hour which is crazy um but once you guys get a little bit calmed down after show season, we should have you back on because we also I also produced the Western Rookie podcast, which is kind of like you said a little minute ago, answering a lot of those questions for um, people looking to get into the West, which obviously wall tents, I think, are a staple of western hunting. I mean, I don't know if there's any like visual image that just you know shares the western hunting. I would say vibe, but maybe some of our listeners aren't on that language yet, but like the sentiment of Western hunting, like an image of a wall tent on the edge of some, you know, pines.
1: Yeah. Right. My, I would say my favorite one is a night picture of a wall tent glowing from the side with a Euro basically yeah. bull out front. Yeah. That's... Or
0: three. <laughs> yeah. Depends on who's inside the tent. Maybe there's three. <laughs>
1: Uh, But yeah, that's my quintessential, you know, image of, you know, Western hunting, especially when it comes to rifle seasons. I mean, if you're looking at September, you know, you're definitely more into the backpack crowd, which that's what I do in September. I want to go where the elk are. We've done both.
0: We've done both. We've done both in the same week, too.
1: (laughs) Yep. Sometimes I'll do both at the same time I'll have like a base camp down at, you know, near the road or whatever. And then I'll have a spike camp. So,
0: yeah, no, that'd be a super cool podcast to do. Maybe, you know, later this spring or summer when people are getting ready and just kind of talk through like tenting wall, tenting, what to look for, what to know, what to have, be ready for types of stuff. And hopefully hope someone be more comfortable and hopefully more successful this fall. So be another great show to get you on.
1: Yeah. No problem. I mean, that's kind of how I got into the wall tent game. I had a real bad experience for a season and then I'm like, screw this. I'm going to buy a wall tent. I did, uh, off of Facebook marketplace the next summer. And then eight months after doing that, I started working for them. <laughs> so yeah. It was kind of a, a I crazy, mean, uh, I've, you know, my of events. So
0: I've had good ones and I've had bad ones. I had a wall tent hunt, um, in Colorado central colorado just around leadville and set the wall tent up slept in it one night blizzard was gonna roll in the next night they were calling for like 12 to 18 inches of snow in the valley so i got scared i was by myself at like 11 5 12 thousand feet and so i took everything down packed it all up and i slept in the back seat of my truck for the rest of the week <laughs> and ended up bringing a bull home so it worked out but yeah i've <laughs> i get i hear you there's good experiences and there's bad experiences anytime you go out west
1: Yes, sir. So
0: awesome. Well, before we wrap up, uh, give folks a chance to go check out some of the Davis tents and the social pages that they can follow along and see more content from.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, our website obviously is number one. That's just davistent.com. Uh, and then on Instagram, we are davis underscore tent underscore official. And then we do have a Facebook page and a group as well. Uh, that if you just type in Davis tent, I mean it'll it'll pull up. So we've been we've been doing this for a while.
0: Awesome, cool. Well, we'll put the links below for anyone that wants to go check those out. But once again, thank you for being here today, Taylor, and thank you for listening, folks.